Namaste. So when we read the prayers, we see something very interesting that the mother herself, by her own example, is showing us the way. And she shows, reveals to us the deep truth which the Vedic Rishis used to experience, which they speak of going through night and day, night and day. So the movement at one point we had read that the path is not a straight line. The path is a wave-like path. But just as a wave, whether it goes up or down, is moving towards the goal. So too in yoga too, we go through ups and downs. But through all this, the movement is only in one direction. So this truth again, we see she is revealing. And what she is revealing even more importantly, that we should not cling to any experience. We should be what the divine wants us to be. That is true plasticity. We cling to our name, we cling to fame, we cling to work, we cling to positions, we cling to everything. We cling to this small little personality, we cling to the body. But we have to not even cling to the most profound experiences. Then only we can be ready for the uh, divine service to no personal goal. You know, in Savitri, in book 11, how beautifully Shirobindo reveals uh, when Savitri refuses the high heavens. And then she is told that because you have refused my uh, timeless calm, therefore I lay on thee my splendid yoke of time. Now you are the one through whom I am going to create a new world. So this is a prayer of May 12th, 1914. Before that, we see a beautiful prayer. May 10th, where she is completely identified with the divine. So what more is needed? Normally, this should be the end of all yogas, but we see that the mother doesn't stop with any experience, however profound it be. Their previous experiences, it is thou alone whom I see everywhere, or rather there is no longer any I. All is one and this oneness, it is thou. So, Ancient yogis would be so blessed to have this experience. They would not leave it. They would just want to stay in samadhi and disappear and vanish. Twenty days and you vanish. But the mother doesn't stop there. May 12th, 1914. More and more it seems to me that we are in one of those periods of activity in which the fruit of past efforts becomes apparent. A period in which we act according to thy law in the measure in which it is the sovereign controller of our being, without having even the leisure to become conscious of the law. So, there is a period when we are trying, aspiring, and nothing is happening apparently. But there is a period when, even when we are not really aspiring, we begin to receive. So, it's, it is well known. In yoga, it proceeds like that. There is a period when we aspire, there is a period when we receive. Finally, one should reach a state where one is aspiring and at the same time one is receptive. She speaks of the flame in a vase. So, one is aspiring and receptive. But uh, usually it is like there is a time when everything goes so wonderfully, one doesn't know why. <laughs> there is another period when one is doing all the so-called things necessary as part of the yoga. But it is just... Um, uh, there is no marked change within or outside. So she speaks of that. This morning, passing by a rapid experience from depth to depth, I was able once again, as always, to identify my consciousness with thine and to live no longer in out but thee. Indeed, 
it was thou alone who wast living but immediately thy will pulled my consciousness towards the exterior towards the work to be done and thou saidst to me be the instrument of which i have need so there is something called as identification with the divine deep within there is another to be the instrument of the divine so when we want to be the instrument of the divine we have to come out of that identification obviously otherwise we all would love to sit and quietly contemplate but work means that we the outer being also participates and therefore we step out so she hears the command that be the instrument of which i have need and she is pulled from that inner beatific depths into the outside world and is not this the last renunciation so we hear about renouncing the outer life for the sake of inner but here there is something very different if we see in mother's life you know for a long time she was staying inside and uh, hardly coming out and amrita ashurbindo that you know she is a great yogi yes she is but she doesn't give meditation to anyone she the mother used to remain most of the time in her room shubhendra says yes but one day impelled by the divine love and divine service she will come out and that indeed will be a great day so we see that she comes out and then the whole everything begins to change and is not this the last renunciation to renounce identification with the we see even in buddha's life after buddha has achieved that state of nirvana what does he do he doesn't withdraw into samadhi why does he come out into the world to give that uh, eightfold path he had no need because if you are in nirvana what is what what need can there be there is no one and nothing anatma but that is not the way buddha buddha has been very wrongly understood buddha realizes there are thousands who are caught into this ignorance now he must renounce this beautiful state and step out out of compassion and show the light to the whole world the light which can lead him to one step forward to renounce the sweet and pure joy of no longer distinguishing between thee and me the joy of knowing at each moment not only with the intellect but by an integral experience that thou art the unique reality and that all the rest is but appearance and illusion so she has realized that state long back which in mayavad is the ultimate why she is using the word illusion she is not using the word illusion in the sense that it is not real uh, elsewhere she has explained illusion means there is something but it is distorted actually even if we go into the root of the word illusion is not that there is non existent something and there is we experience it illusion is defined even by shankaracharya with the rope and snake analogy there is a rope and we think it's a snake or vice versa there is a snake and which we think is a rope in the sense that there is a distortion so there is a divine reality but in the world it's not expressed at all and therefore we say it's an illusion because it's not truth it is anritam that the exterior being should be the docile instrument which does not even need to be conscious of the will which moves it is not doubtful but why must i be almost entirely identified with the instrument and why should not the i be entirely merged in thee and live thy full and absolute consciousness so if she has to this divine service she has to now work on the instrument she has to be pulled out now this necessary because eventually even the instruments have to be transformed but we are reading this in 
in early part of 1914 so the yoga of transformation still has to unfold itself it is unfolding but this is how it is unfolding so she has to renounce it so she says it's so all right i don't mind you know coming into the instrument and doing thy work like great beings have done but why should it be completely pulled out of that state that absolute consciousness why can't it be done that i am fully conscious of thee within and then i am turning my eyes to the instrument but that's not how it is she is identifying with the instrument why must i be almost entirely identified with the instrument that's what is happening which is very different from staying inside like a buddha in that state but using the instrument knowing that it's an instrument for the sake of uh, whatever he wished to his message into the world all the instrument he uses the brain the speech the food through which he walks the hands everything he uses uh, to express what he has realized within but here there is something else happening she is completely become one with the instrument but then look at the surrender she says i ask but i am not anxious about it i know that all is according to thy will and with a pure adoration i trust myself joyously to thy will i shall be what thou wouldst have me be o lord conscient or inconscient a simple instrument as is the body or a supreme knowledge as art thou she says whatever place you put me into whether you want me to remain in that state of perfect consciousness or you want me to enter into the depths of the inconscient where um, that identification is not at all there i am ready for it that's how we can understand now how the mother could work into the inconscient the subconscious how she could go into these depths because she had already this vast surrender that um, that full uh, ability to renounce the gains of the moment for a greater truth which is yet to dawn oh the sweet and peaceful joy when one can say that all is good and feel the at work in the world through all the elements which lend themselves to that transmission so she is uh, giving us a wonderful mantra that what a state of peace and joy there is when we can say that all is good this is called kalyan shraddha in the in shrivindo synthesis of yoga shrivindo speaks about it even in his bangla writing that we must know that god is mangalmay auspicious so whatever he does whether it seems good or evil to man's eyes only for good the eternal will can work savitri so we must live with that state of consciousness that whether we are in this or that now she is aspiring to be always at the divine service it's not that this uh, if it happens mechanically and we j- uh, just accept it she is not talking of that she is speaking of that state of utter surrender that comes even after she is identified with the supreme consciousness yet she is ready if such be the work she is ready to be there so there is a peaceful joy when one can say that all is good and feel the at work in the world through all the elements which lend themselves to that transmission in countless ways this world is striving to express the divine struggling to express the divine um, half consciously consciously unconsciously but it is ultimately moving towards that thou art the sovereign master of all 
thou art the inaccessible the unknowable the eternal and sublime reality so simultaneously he sees the divine on one side as the sub supreme master sovereign master of all now this is what the karma yogi realizes that he is the master of everything but the gyan yogi realizes him as the inaccessible reality the unknowable that which is beyond all the eternal and sublime reality now because he has ready for that divine service she is realizing both these truths together the truth of gyana and the truth of divine works and therefore she says oh marvelous unity i disappear in thee so this unity is between the inner and the outer between works and knowledge we elsewhere there is a prayer where she says to be identified with thee and with thy work now this is where she is completely has a double identification now she is completely identified with the absolute consciousness at the same time she is identified with the instrument where she is working and there also she realizes that this is how the instrument is it's a state of unconsciousness or half consciousness at the same time she is fully aware fully conscious of that consciousness which is working through it and informing it so this is the difference between being in unconscious instrument and a conscious instrument of the lord unconscious instrument the whole creation is an unconscious instrument that is what she sees that wherever there is a possibility there is the transmission which takes place uh, universe may not know it but here she is conscious that she is with the instrument and there is that supreme consciousness within which which she knows how to plunge and be identified with it so she addresses the divine as the sovereign master at the same time as the inaccessible reality we read this prayer again it's a very profound prayer may 12 1914 more and more it seems to me that we are in one of those periods of activity in which the fruit of past efforts becomes apparent a period in which we act according to thy law in the measure in which it is the sovereign controller of our being without having even the leisure to become conscious of the law it is an unfolding spontaneously taking place this morning passing by a rapid experience from depth to depth i was able once again as always to identify my consciousness with thine and to live no longer in ought but thee indeed it was thou alone that was living but immediately thy will pulled my consciousness towards the exterior towards the work to be done and thou saidst to me be the instrument of which i have need there are many yogis who identify with the divine within it makes no difference to the divine so he says the instrument of which i have need this has been done and even if countless number of people have this experience of nirvana it will make no difference to the supreme here there is the unfolding for which there is the need of the instrument look at these words be the instrument of which i have need this what the divine needs and is not this the last renunciation to renounce identification with thee to renounce the sweet and pure joy of no longer distinguishing between thee and me the joy of knowing at each moment not only with the intellect but by an integral experience that thou art the unique reality 
and that all the rest is but appearance and illusion. This he must renounce. That the exterior being should be the docile instrument which does not even need to be conscious of the will which moves it. He is not doubtful. This he knows that it has to become the instrument. But why must I be almost entirely identified with the instrument? And why should not the I the entirely, be entirely merged in thee and live thy full and absolute consciousness? So here, uh, once again, there is the instrument, mind, senses, everything, the body. There is the worker. So instrument is what nature has evolved. The worker is nature, force of nature. And there is the divine who is the master of works. So this is the threefold thing. So we think it's me who is working, but that's an illusion. Nature is working. We think it's me when we talk about instrument, my brain, but that is also an illusion. Instrument belongs to nature has organized it. And who is the, or we think I am the master, which is the third illusion. Who is the master? The divine master. So there is a beautiful passage of Sri the delight of works, where he speaks about this threefold identification. First know thyself as the instrument, then know thyself as the worker, then know thyself as the master. But here, she has already gone through it, now she is renouncing once again, going and identifying with the instrument. Because now that is the light and consciousness which has to go into the instrument. This is the back and forth. So she is completely identifying with it. And not that I will remain inwardly fully aware of the which she is, and then from there I will regard the instrument as thy instrument. So she is saying, that would have been fine, but you have pulled me out and completely identified with the senses, the mind, the brain and everything. At the same time, the surrender and the complete trust, I ask, but I am not anxious about it. I know that all is according to thy will and with a pure adoration, now the love has come, surrender has come. So we see again, there is love, there is works and there is knowledge. I trust myself joyously to thy will. I shall be what thou wouldst have me be. O Lord, conscient or inconscient, a simple instrument as is the body or a supreme knowledge as art thou. O the sweet and peaceful joy when one can say that all is good and feel thee at work in the world through all the elements which lend themselves to that transmission. So we see love is the link between the absolute knowledge and the works. So she is renouncing that absolute consciousness, identifying with the instrument. And this completes love. Because what is love if it doesn't translate into acts of divine service? Thou art the sovereign master of all. Thou art the inaccessible the unknowable, the eternal and sublime reality. O oh, marvelous unity, I disappear in thee. Namaste.